Join me at Romans 13, verses 11 to 14. That's where we're picking up under the title, Coming from the Text, You Know the Time. You Know the Time. Yeah, so back to Paul's letter to the Christians at Rome and the last few verses of chapter 13. In Romans 13, Paul is still working out his call to godliness, to live the Christian life increasingly in a godly way, which began in Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is the application of all of the gospel truths, all those doctrinal truths in chapters 1 to 11, which is to say sanctification or growing in Christ is not merely or the Christian life is not merely theoretical, but very practical. The righteous standing we have been given through faith in Jesus Christ must be, is worked out in daily life through concrete actions, which Paul describes throughout these couple of chapters. In other words, what does life look like for people who know that by faith alone, In Christ alone, all their sins have been forgiven and all their condemnation is removed, absorbed at the cross, and all of God's righteousness in Christ has become their righteousness credited to them. They are saved. They are adopted. What does life look like now for such a person? And for two chapters, Paul has been speaking of this. He said things like, Let all that you do be done in love. Let love be genuine. Love one another with brotherly affection. Bless those who persecute you. Repay no one evil for evil. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Owe no one anything except to love one another, and so on. And now he'll say, do all this, Love like this, obey Jesus Christ like this, bear fruit like this, because you know the time. Because you know the time. Do you? The Christian's relationship to this age, to this world, has fundamentally changed, that is, for the person who's now a Christian. This because in and through Jesus Christ they have been saved, redeemed, adopted into God's family. Paul said at the beginning of chapter 12 that that we are no longer to be conformed to the pattern of this world, this age, to its convictions and priorities, to its rejection of God. We're not to be conformed to that. And beginning now in our verse 11 of chapter 13, Paul stresses that Christian living must take on a certain shape, even a sense of urgency, because Christians must live now in light of the age to come, which has already come near or dawned in Jesus Christ and which will arrive in fullness when He comes again to judge the world, raise the dead and make all things new. We know the time, in other words. 
You know the time, don't you? And if so, are you acting like it? Like you know? Well, let's ask the Lord's blessing upon the reading and preaching of His Word. And we'll read the text and work through it. Father, thank You for Your Word. Where else would we look for the words of eternal life, the words of God, the very words from Your mind, heart, mouth, breathed out by You, given to us so that we might be saved, so that we might grow in the knowledge of Christ, so that we might know the will of God, so that we might grow in Christ. We thank You for it. And now as we consider it at length, we pray, Father, that You would give us attention, that You would aim our hearts at it, that You would make our hearts soft towards it, towards Your Word and will. And I pray, Father, that You would guard us from error. And above all, that we would be helped and that You would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 13, 11 to 14 then. I'm sure you're there. The words of Paul the Apostle. Besides this, you know the time. That the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The holy and inerrant Word of God. Two sections today in the text which correspond to just two points for us today. Number one, and this is verses 11 and the first half of 12, verses 11 through 12a, if you will. The time is now, the hour has come, the day is at hand. That's, that's the, there's a triplet for each of these two uh, points. The time is now, the hour has come, the day is at hand. Paul's emphasis here the thing he wants us to know, the thing he wants us to understand, the thing he wants to have change our lives, is stressed by the word time in his opening phrase. Besides this, you know the time. But also then in the repeated usage of other ways of referring to time and the passing of it and the inevitable passing from one age to another. So in the rest of 11 and the first half of 12, besides this, you know the time, that the hour, so there's the hour, the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, 
for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. And then now we have another one beginning of verse 12. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. There's transitioning happening, moving along. Time, the hour has come. The day is at hand. You know the time. Paul is calling Christians to make every effort to understand the present age in which they live. And he uses a word for time that more refers to an age or a season rather than the mere passing of time. He's more referring to quality and characteristics than to minutes and seconds. We live, in other words, in a significant moment. Do you not know? Do you not know the time? We live in a significant age. And we are not to be conformed to this age, thinking and behaving like a non-Christian, like pagans, if you will, like pagans. And Paul is now reminding us that not only do we live in a particular age, but that another significant age is about to dawn. This means it's time to wake up. For any Christian in this age, it's time to wake up. For any Christian at all who ever lived in this age between the ages, it's time to wake up. We live in a significant age, and our salvation draws near. This present age is fallen and dark and sinful and dominated by Satan, who Paul calls elsewhere the God of this age, the God of this age. And we should not conform to Him, to it, but rather be transformed. Wasn't that the words from chapter 12 in the first two verses? You know the time, Christians. We should not be conformed to this age, but be transformed. Christ inaugurated a new age when He came. And yet another new day dawns, and no one can stop the rising of the sun, His second coming. We Christians are are not of the night or of the darkness. We belong to the coming new day. We presently live in a very dark age, a dark and sinful time. But that is not the main reality for you, Christian. Christ has already come, and He's coming again. It's time to wake up. You know the time. A commentator by the name of Cranfield provides, I think, a helpful caution as we read these words of Paul, and I want to share with you what he, what he wrote about it. Quote, The early church was convinced that the ministry of Jesus has ushered in the last days, the end time. History's supreme events had taken place in the ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension of the Messiah, 
there was now no question of another chapter being added which could in any way effectively go back upon what had been written in that final chapter. All the subsequent history ever added could add, all it could add, whether it lasts for a few years or for many, must be of the nature of an epilogue. And as the interval provided by God's patience in order to give men time to hear the gospel and make the decision of faith, its continuance depending entirely upon God's patience, it could hardly be properly characterized otherwise than as a short time. However long it should continue, it could never be more than this. And this present age, which Paul refers to as the night, could never again have a higher status than something far spent. Henceforward, the day would always be imminent until it should finally break. End quote. This is the time we live in. All Christians, from the first ones, from the age Jesus ushered in until He comes again. This is our age, this present evil age. Therefore, Christ's first coming means that something definitive and decisive has already taken place. Christ's resurrection from the dead is the first fruits of a great harvest to come an event which guarantees that all those who trust in Jesus will likewise triumph over death by virtue of their union with that one who has conquered sin and death. For Paul, the dawn of that new day was imminent not because he believed that Jesus necessarily would return within the next 24 hours or that, or that you could discern it simply by watching the news as, as so many do today, think, although he certainly didn't rule it out, the dawn was imminent because Jesus' resurrection began a new age, the epilogue. Therefore, for Christians living after Christ's resurrection, our present time is a significant moment, not, not merely the passage of time, not merely the marking of generations. Everything we do as Christians then is significant because Christ's first coming defines it and Christ's second coming will end it. We see here then the New Testament's view of time, which Jesus himself divides into this age and the age to come. We live in this age, but Jesus has inaugurated the age to come. Therefore, the hour has come, and the Christian must awake and stay awake. The day of complete restoration grows ever closer. Salvation is always near or at hand because the Lord can deliver His people at any time, the psalmist knew that, Psalm 85, and so do we all. 
He can also return at any time. But today it is nearer because yesterday is gone. It's a simple math sort of thing, isn't it? One more day has passed. It draws nearer. And we should also keep in mind that if Christ does not return in our time, He will certainly come individually for us in death, and we shall see Him momentarily upon death. Each ache, each pain, each gray hair, each new wrinkle and scar and limp and ache, each funeral is a reminder that it is later than it has ever been before in this age. And so the Christian lives between the time when sin and darkness reign and the time when the light of Christ rules completely. We live, as it were, in the time between the times, the time between the two comings of Christ. And we are to wake up and live in light of this, all of this. And there's more to it than that. To be awake, to live in light of reality, we might say, we'll need to do a certain kind of casting off, a certain kind of putting on, to get up, to get out of bed, to turn away from darkness and toward the light of day, the coming day, already dawning, a person has got to be intent on, on doing a few things, or he or she may just fall right back asleep, as, they, as we might say, uh, hit the spiritual snooze button. But you must not. You must, you must cast off and put on and get up and, and go out spiritually. And to that, Paul turns next. This is point two, then, of two in the rest of the text, which is verses 12b, the middle of 12 to 14, through 14. And another triplet for a title. Therefore, be awake, cast off, and put on. Therefore, be awake, cast off, and put on. Let's read the beginning of the text, and then we'll add uh, the rest of 12 and come to 13 and 14 separately as we go. But back at 11 again. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. The rest of 12. So then... Let us, and think about like blankets or something. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and, and put on appropriate clothing for this day. The armor of light. When you wake up, I think this has got to be a universal experience of some kind. When you wake up, you, you put off or cast off with however much verve, I don't know how much you have in the morning, but you cast off the things of the darkness, if you will, the things that, that fit the darkness, like the blankets you use, night clothes, 
That's the metaphor Paul is using. But we're still talking about the ages, the time we're in, and that the day of salvation is dawning. So what we cast off is the works of darkness, the works of darkness, which Paul will go on about more in verse 13 when, when we get there. But staying here, also when you wake up, you put on things that are associated with the day, which are fitting for that day, for the age you live in, which inside the metaphor are things like clothes that are appropriate for daytime life, maybe your job. And Paul translates that quickly into his consideration of the ages, the times, and what we are to put on for the dawning of the day of salvation while still in this time between the times, this present evil age. There in verse 12, the armor of light. Armor. Battle. Light. Christ. This day, this time, requires, I don't know how you would read it, I I think this is patently obvious, Paul is saying this time to wake up into this day requires that we are prepared for battle. This is an allusion to Isaiah 59 where the Lord, quote, the Lord, quote, put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on His head, In Isaiah, this event is set in the time just before, quote, a Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, end quote there from Isaiah 59. The Lord there takes up the weaponry of righteousness and salvation because His people have refused to dress for action, to act in these ways toward others in their age. They have failed. They are sleepwalking. They have instead pursued violence, lies, and oppression. You can read about all of that throughout chapter 59 of Isaiah. Here then, in our text, Paul wants the newly restored people of God, the new covenant people of God, indwelt with the Spirit of God, to act in a way that is consistent with God's own character, God's own mindset, God's own purposes, God's own plans, and not as though they are still lost, still apart from Him, still asleep. How many are asleep who profess Oh, I'm a Christian. How many sleepwalk? They're not awake. They love this age. Maybe that's you. You love this age. You love everything about everything that's available to you. Up to your neck in the sins of this world while you say you're a Christian. You sleepwalk, brother, sister. And you're in danger. 
spiritual danger. You don't know the time. Not yet. Paul continues in verse 13. He's adding clarity and detail. He writes, Let us walk properly then, as in the daytime, which is coming. We're people of the day. We're people of the light. We're people of the second coming, of the, of the fulfilled kingdom. We have the sure promise of God. We await that day. We're people of the day. So let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in the works of darkness. Then he lists some of them. Not in orgies and drunkenness. Not in sexual immorality and sensuality. Not in quarreling and jealousy. These are things that generally happen in the nighttime, aren't they? Under cover of darkness is the idea. It's not an exhaustive list. It's sort of like, hey, you know, you know. Christians are not to be characterized by the feeding of sinful desires, the flesh, including those things Paul mentions here for starters. If believers have awakened and wear the armor of light, they will resist and fight against specific elements of the pagan life that entice us, that encroach upon our lives, that work against truly loving acts and truly loving responses to those around us. The examples Paul gives of this are are reasonably straightforward. They don't, I think, require long exposition. They, they are reasonably straightforward, aren't they? Christians are, are not free to get drunk, nor to associate with all that goes along with it. Christians are not to join in with the rebellion sexually against God and God's design for men and women. Christians are to practice a biblical sexual ethic unlike the pagans. Christians are not to engage in sex before or outside of marriage. Christians are not to cause dissension and fighting, nor be jealous because we rather are called to love our brothers and sisters. And I think, by the way, these sins, these these works of darkness begin for Paul to anticipate the subject and argument which he takes up in chapter 14, which we'll get to, Lord willing, next week, seems like a subject change, but I, I think he's queuing it up right here. I think he's teeing it up right here. To continue to do these things, Paul has just mentioned, is, is to be conformed to the pattern of this age. And Christians are not to be conformed to the pattern of this age, but rather to be transformed. And Paul closes then with a summarizing restatement of the main point, almost as if a crescendo in a way. Verse 14, but put on. So what is the, uh, what is this, the armor of light? Well, you start right here, verse 14. Put on 
the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Well, ordinarily, which he just did, Paul calls believers to put on armor or to put on the new self. Maybe, maybe that sounds familiar to your ear. Or to put on virtue. But here we, we put on Christ Himself. What is the armor of light? What is the day garment for the Christian? Fitting for the age to come. What you need to live in this age. This present evil age. Jesus Christ Himself. He is our garment, our covering, our protection, our righteousness. We have been united to Christ so that His resurrection and His life are ours. Now we need to, in our minds, reckon Him as ours. We need to put Him on. We need to focus on Him. Hebrews would say, fix your eyes on Him. Do not forget Him. Think about Him. Focus on Him. Pray to Him. Go to Him. Utilize Him so that we can conduct ourselves like the redeemed people we already are. It's true that if we are Christians, we have already put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an important thing to say, an important thing for you to know and to remember. Paul had written Galatians 3.27, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, that's the new birth, I think, have put on Christ. So by nature of being born again, you have put on Christ. The whole assumption here is that those of you who belong to Christ are already children of the day. You have already passed from darkness to light. You have already been transferred from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of Christ. You are already new creatures in Christ, new creations. You are already children of God. But what remains for you to do is to dress like it, to engage your will, to cast off and put on in the nitty-gritty of life, in between the times, to dress like it, to live like it, to fight like it, with Christ as your life, your shield, your righteousness, your strength. The clothes, the fight, do not make you a child of the light. They show that you are a child of the light. So even though believers have already put on Christ and have put off the old person, they must also put on Christ in the concrete circumstances of everyday life. The desires of the flesh still threaten believers, and thus a, a conscious effort is needed so that no provision is made for them. You do not feed them. You do not Make time for them. You do not welcome them in. 
the recognition that the decisive act of salvation has been accomplished and that the end is impending motivates believers to live in a new way. Remember Paul's words in Romans 6.11, you must also consider yourselves dead to sin, Christians. You must consider, reckon, count yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. And Paul writes in Ephesians 4 very much on this subject, you were taught to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So, for Paul, then, we fight against sin not by focusing upon how not to gratify the desires of the flesh. Rather, we fight against sin by thinking about who we are and what we have in Jesus Christ. And a reminder, brothers and sisters in Christ, when we hear the gospel, which you have not graduated from, by the way, when we hear the gospel, the good news for sinners about salvation in Christ, when we hear the gospel, we are reminded that we are already clothed in Christ. And we daily put on Christ when we reckon, count, consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Now go. This we actively do as we hear the gospel preached, as we preach the gospel to ourselves, and as we proclaim the gospel to others. I'll close. Does that seem short to you? Felt fast. The first half of the text. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. I'll just point out just one or two things in closing. Just consider the hope in these verses. Consider the hope in these verses. For Christians who are suffering, who are weary, who are tired of sin, maybe of their own sinfulness, tired of how sin has broken a relationship, who grow tired of how wicked this world is, Paul says that every day of your groaning life, you are getting closer and closer to the greatest thing of all, the fullness of Jesus Christ, the fullness of our salvation. So stay awake. Clothe yourself with Christ. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance and faith. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. This is a living hope, this living hope, knowing that He has come, and that changes everything, and knowing that He's coming again, this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and this hope 
in the midst of all of our frustrations and all of our losses and all of our frustrations and pain, sustains the power to obey God's commands, to love each other and to love our enemies. And then one last thing. This, our own hour, inside of all the hours that make up this age, is an hour to be awake, not asleep. I say that because we see that the people all around us, that's what they're doing, is sleeping. Don't you see? Sleep is what the people lost in this age are doing, in this culture, all around us, in this Western world, being overrun as it is by new expressions of the same old rejection of and rebellion against God. Same old, same old, just roaring back. You see it, don't you? They are sleepwalking. Don't you want to be awake now as Christ's kingdom has come, the beachhead established, and the new day dawns, the age to come where Christ and His people will lead such full and forever lives of joy and purpose and glory that everything we thought was great in this age will pale in comparison? That future age which has even now dawned upon this world there, there will be no sin, there, there will be no pain, there will be no works of darkness, there will be nothing that rebels against God and all that is good, true, right, and beautiful. And we Christians are right now in this age, in this hour, people of that age. You know the time. You know the time. If you know Christ you know the time, and you are called then in the rest of that text for today, which I'll close by, be definitely done closing by reading it. We're called to live accordingly. It reads, So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. May it be so. May God be glorified as He grows this people in these ways. May it be so. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You again for bringing this to bear on our souls. I pray, Father, that You would be honored as Your Spirit applies it to each of us, perhaps some to come to Christ for the first time, to awake in that sense, to be awakened by new birth grace, that they would come, that they would repent of their rebellion against You, their sin against You, and turn to Christ in, in trust and look to Him alone for salvation from sin, if salvation from sinfulness and from this evil age, and they would be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. But for many who are already, by Your grace, Christians, that You would, that you would grow, grow them in this 
grace, of hearing this call to awake, where there perhaps has been too much sleeping, too much lax, too much clinging to the things of this world, too much focusing on them and not upon Christ. Pray that you would awaken them, awaken us. Fit us to fight sin, to fight the fight of faith, wearing the very armor, the shield of light. Father, would you do this for your glory? I pray that you would bless our time after and immediately after and throughout the day that we would consider these things and be changed. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.